Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. All right, thank you, Cindy. Appreciate that. Well, take your Bibles. I'm going to have you moving around in them a lot tonight. And you can head for James. I will be there in a little while, but not right away. I'll be reading some other passages of Scripture to you. But we are dealing with navigating through trials because trials are a part of life. And, uh, and there's no doubt today trials have been met. We've heard a little bit about them through prayer. And, of course, praise as well for some of the trials that have been met. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, trials are coming. Uh, you're either in the midst of a trial or you are wait, uh, waiting for a trial to happen. And no, I know you're not sitting here. I'm really not waiting for it to happen. I really don't want it to come. Well, it's coming. Uh, every one of us are going to deal with various challenges and trials and so forth. And uh, keep this in mind. Every crisis, every trial has within it the possibility of great danger, but also the opportunity for positive change. Okay? Sometimes that trial or crisis is brought on us by simply living in a fallen world. Okay? Um, Break lines, go, all right? Fallen world. Or by choices we have made, or choices someone else has made, okay? Within every trial, there is a choice to be made. At some given point within a trial, uh, we're going to make a choice to either handle things our way, which is keep questioning God, oftentimes is what we do, rather than handling things God's way, Okay? Uh, and the reality is, and many of us have been there before with various challenges and trials, um, I spent nearly uh, nine years, nine years after my mom's passing. I didn't spend that long with my dad. Fortunately, the Lord had helped me to grow in him. It was still hard when my dad passed, but when my mom passed, I was a young kid, and uh, you know what? Um, I had all kinds of questions, and we have questions that will never be answered. And uh, um, when we were at the uh, uh, PTS, when I was at the PTSD conference uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, uh, the room was full of questions that there were no answers for. Uh, there were full of questions. And, uh, and I, you could hear people, they're wrestling. Um, one individual in there has questions and been wrestling them since I believe Vietnam War. So you're talking 40 some years of wrestling with questions and trying to give him Bible answers and uh, several individuals from different are trying to give him Bible answers. Bible answers are those that tell you quit looking for the answers you're looking for and trust God. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. Um, but we do have questions, and many of us perhaps have been there, and we're going to be there again. You know, we, we, oftentimes a person we oftentimes think about in the Scriptures when it comes to trials is that of Job, Okay. No doubt. Uh, we all think of Job, and a lot of times he lost an entire farm, all of his children, his own wealth, could not look to his own wife or his friends. That's a trial in and of itself when you can't dep- look to people for support, and all you're left with is God. Okay? The intensity was great. We no doubt. None of us have been exposed to what Job dealt with. More than likely. Okay? The intensity was great, but it was the duration That brought discouragement for Job. And discouragement began to enter in. It says in Job 5, verse 7, Yet man is born unto trouble as sparks fly upward. It's and and it's you can count on it. It's not, well, can I avoid it in some way? 
you will not be able to avoid it. And many in here know that, but the reality is, I, I say that and many in here go, oh, I know, I know. Yes, but there are young people in here who are doing everything they can. They want to avoid it. And we're trying to tell young people, I try to tell my own children, no, 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 it's about learning to manage it and navigate through the trial with God's help when the time comes. And I'm going to give you three things to remember here really quickly in my opening here uh, when it comes to this aspect of we've got questions and we've got no answers, okay? And I'm going to listen. I, I was very careful in how I worded this, but remember three things. And I'll repeat them again at the end because I really I think it's important. One, God owes no man any answer until he owns that man's heart. Okay? Jeremiah 29, 12 through 13. Then shall you call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. A lot of times people are going, I want answers. God doesn't have to give you any answers. And he's not going to give you all of them anyway, which gets into number two. This is the second one. He may give you some answers when you give him all of your heart and you submit to him. He'll give you some, perhaps, maybe not. I don't know, but I'm just saying any chance in getting any answers, number one, God owes no man any answer until he owns that man's heart. Number two, man can't handle all the answers. Man can't handle all the answers. It says in Isaiah uh, 55, 8, 8, 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. These are my ways, your ways. For my, for my ways, I'm butchering it here now. I'm forgetting it here. Let me get a look it up here real quick because I don't want to miss this because it's the second part of this verse that really, really says it all. Just a moment here. I want to get it here. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. It says here, and many of you probably have read this before and have got it memorized. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So when you look at that, you go, God said, hey, if you had all the answers, it would blow your mind. You can't, you can't think on the level that I'm on, okay? So man can't handle all the answers. Number three, man can rest comfortably knowing the one with the answers, okay? Jeremiah 29, verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. So think about it. the one that has all the answers, his thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not of evil. So when you get to know the character of the one, then you could trust, hey, I'm not giving you all the answers to this because why? You can't handle all the answers to this. It goes beyond your humanity of what you can do, okay? So keep that in mind. Remember, God owes no man any answer until he owns that man's heart, Okay? based on Jeremiah 29, 12, and 13, okay? And many other passages, but that's one that I have worked on in memorizing because it really has helped me remember in the midst of a trial. Um, Number two, man can't handle all the answers. It would blow your mind. Man can't handle all the answers. And number three, man can rest comfortably knowing the one with the answers, knowing his character, knowing what he wants for you, okay? As he did with Job, he reminded Job that he is the creator of the universe. Remember, he never answered, he did not answer his questions. He said, he began asking Job the question. Job, it's almost like saying, who am I? Uh, who made you? Who made the heavens? Who made the thunder, the light? Hey, consider all these things. Who is the creator of the universe, Job? 
I mean, you talk about getting into a place of humility of, wow, what, who am I to ask? Um, the fact is, man rejected. In Genesis 1.1, we know it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I'm the creator, you are the creature. And man rejected that authority in the Garden of Eden. He rejected his authority, yet God still provided a way of peace, rest, and hope. And so we know that whenever we're going to go through something, we can know like 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be attempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. You've heard me preach on it before. You've heard pastor preach on it before, but I'm going to tell you right now, God has a way. He's, he's, he, he wants us looking up. So he's, oh, he's going to bring trials at times that perhaps are just enough that are perhaps testing your faith. But then every once in a while, he's going to bring trials that overwhelm you. To not just test, but stretch. And he, want, he loves it when we get overwhelmed because that's when we begin to sing the loudest, just like Peter. Just like Paul and Silas in the jail. We begin to sing. We begin, Lord willing we do, if we respond in the spirit and not the flesh, which is what we're getting here in just a moment. When you think of various individuals in the scriptures, you think of David, who have been through various trials. And I love what I heard just a few weeks ago. I thought it was great that one of the best things that, that uh, they, they recommended at the PTSD conference, and for those who've been through post-traumatic stress, whatever it may be, and I say it to you all because I don't want it to be just, hey, well, uh, that's the vets that are in here and so forth like that, those who've uh, uh, soldiered. No, 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 no. If you have been through various trials, loss of a loved one, you've been through things in your life, they are post-traumatic stress, and they affect you. And one of the things that they talked about in this conference is, like, think about David. He wrote much of the Psalms. But notice in the Psalms, we all go to the Psalms and we read, and we notice in there that sometimes David is talking about he's in the depths of despair, he's explaining how he feels right now, and he's waxing old. He talks about waxing old. My bones are waxing old. He's falling apart. He's dying inside because of the trials he's under. And then perhaps several verses later, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. And one of the things that was reminded to us a few weeks ago, and I thought that was fantastic. If you're going through a trial, get a journal. Get a journal and write about your trial. And oftentimes it can be that we say, well, that's, that's kind of a girl thing. It needs to be a guy thing, too, because David was a better man than anybody in here, okay? And David wrote it all down. And he found it, obviously, therapeutic to be able to write down, here's what I'm feeling, here's the challenge I'm going through, here's how I feel like I'm growing old, here's the struggle, God, where are you? I feel so far from you. Writing this over and over again throughout the Psalms, and then he talks about how, Lord, you're my rock. And he's, so there's this, I want to encourage you that write down what you're thinking, write down what you're going through, write down what you're learning about God. You will be amazed on how that will begin to help you. One, get it out, David knew something. And God had him do it, get it out, get it there. And it would be somebody, somebody later on down the road, I know I have, um, somebody down the road is going to be able to read what you've written and see the struggles you've been through, and you get to know people better. Um, I know that I've done that. I just got a letter from the grave last fall. 
uh, that I, uh, my, my stepmom brought it up, a box uh, from stuff, uh, I think it was last uh, June, I think it was, now that I think about it, I think she was here in June last year, and she brought this box up, and I was going through it, and I came across, and I, I said, what is this? I pull out this letter, and it was a letter that my mom sent out six months before she died. Letting everybody know uh, that was a part of some chain, just chain. People know, hey, here's what's going on. Here's where things are at right now. We're getting ready to do a bone marrow transplant. It was six months before she died. She'd already been battling cancer for nearly three years. And, uh, and I found this letter. I had never seen this thing before. And I began reading through it. It's several pages long. And I was overwhelmed by reading the letter and learning a little bit about my mom's heart the struggles she was facing at the time, what the Lord was teaching her. I really enjoyed the section. I meant to bring it here tonight. I really enjoyed the section when she got to. She goes, let me tell you how my family's doing right now. So she comments on my dad and say, Jim's really doing well. He's a real support to me and blah, blah, blah. And she goes through this whole thing explaining Jim. And she goes, I'm really happy for Jennifer. She's doing, that's my sister. And she's explaining all that. Then she gets to me and she's explaining all these things. I learned a little bit about myself. I go, that's why I have that problem. Okay, I've had that problem since I was that age. Okay, and so I learned a little bit about myself. Myself, my history is really in a lot of ways gone. I, I, we got a little book that tells me that I was a horrible baby because of colic. I don't know, but anyway. Uh, and so that's, I got that. But uh, yeah, th- thank, quit laughing at me. Okay, uh, yes, I was a horrible baby. That's what my mom said. Isn't that a great thing to write about your child in their birth book? Okay, um, Jamie was a horrible child. He was colicky, okay? And so my wife, when she read that several years ago, she goes, ah, that explains it. Okay, um, so, uh, but uh, so much, I don't, my kids ask me questions all the time. I don't know. I don't know. I think I was a perfect child. Nobody can, nobody can, nobody can disagree with it because nobody's allowed to do that anymore. Um, but uh, no, I, but I learned about myself through this. But the letter told me about the very struggle going on and what she was learning and how she was growing. And I thought about that. I'm like, wow. I thought, that, that, that is so cool. My kids someday, I don't know when, are going to be able to go into my library. On the bottom shelf, I've got several journals from when I finally started journaling years ago in my devotion time and just writing my thoughts out and then writing out what I was learning through my study. And they're going to go through that and they're going to learn about their dad. So think about that. I know a struggle you may be going through, but it may be that one of the things that will help you with your struggle is doing as David did through the Psalms, journaling. And so keep that in mind. And we also know, obviously, Christ himself. Uh, it says in Isaiah 53, 3, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We know that Christ himself went through some challenges, went through some real struggles, and of course ends with him giving of his life for each of us. We look at New Testament Christians beyond just Christ himself. We think of James and we think of Peter, okay? In 1 Peter 1, 6, Peter himself says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. Look at your book of James there, as I think I had you turn there. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we'll be looking at some other verses here in just a moment, and I appreciate you hanging in there with me as we, as we go through this. People in, in uh, First Peter obviously going through great trials and everything like that, and uh, the one thing you'll see throughout Scripture, it is possible to have joy in the midst of tears, to have joy in the midst of pain and suffering. And, uh, and so that's why we have Peter himself saying, we're in, uh, ye greatly rejoice. They're rejoicing, though now for a season, they're in heaviness through various types of temptations. Uh, and so in the book of James, chapter 1, we look at verse number 2. My brethren, count it all joy 
when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, there's a reason for it. It worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and toss. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man or a woman is an individual who has dealt with trial and temptation and they're stuck in the middle, not knowing which way to go. They're struggling. We've all been there before. The question is, how long is the struggle going to be there? How long are you going to be there? There's no doubt with the trials we saw in the life of Job that as a duration takes place, it gets harder and harder. But you've got to have a resolve that only the power of God can give through his word. By being in it, even though all the feelings in the world are fighting you, you are going to cling to facts. What's the facts? The facts are, as I've already stated. What does he want for you? I want peace and not evil. The facts are the character of God. The facts are his promises. We go look at those things. We go through the Psalms and be reminded, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not the first one dealing with a trial or dealing with strong temptation here, Okay. So when you look at these various things and the challenges and what James even trying to remind people of in this passage here, the, the purpose and the resolve you must have. So then how do we move forward? Well, God wants us to live by faith and not by answers. Because as I have told people before that I finally came to realization too many years ago, questions answered only lead to more questions because we can't get the mind of God. It would blow our minds, as I mentioned earlier. So I'm going to give you two truths here. Remember the gospel truth and the rest of the truth he has stated in his word. And so let's look at this because ultimately we've got to get into the word because ultimately joy in the midst of a trial is a fruit of the spirit. It's not something you just simply go, I'm going to be joyful today, I'm going to be joyful today. Not unless you plant yourself in the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. You've got to plant yourself as it talks about in Psalm chapter 1. And we know from Galatians 5.20, it is a fruit. So joy in the midst of tears and being overwhelmed cannot be generated on our own. It's got to be something that's bore out of planting yourself in the right place. Truth number one, and now this coming right here, I want you to be aware, uh, I, I think I've mentioned this before because I think I've spoken on it here before, uh, a great book that you can look to when you're going through the midst of a trial. I've got several of them now, but one that I used that really helped me, especially after my dad's passing, um, I, my wife gave it to me, um, but it's a, a, a book by Jim Berg uh, dealing with When Trouble Comes is the title of the book. And I know some of you have already gotten it before because I've spoke on it, used it as an illustration before. And some of you have come to me and you've, uh, you've gotten that into your arsenal. And it is an arsenal because we're in a battle, okay? Uh, but uh, so two truths here I'm going to share are, really come from that book, but it's, it's, it's so true. Uh, uh, I've seen it in my biblical counseling that this is the two areas that I want to head for no matter what they're coming in for. Truth number one, the greatest danger is always the flesh. The greatest danger is always the flesh. Okay? Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, please. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. The greatest danger is always the flesh. Romans chapter 8. And uh, we're going to be reading verse 5. For they that are after the flesh 
do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So there's only two ways to handle life. There's the flesh side and the spirit side. We see the fleshly response to any crisis only further complicates things. And, of course, you have the spirit side, okay? Uh, One of the greatest manifestations within a trial or any temptation is that of stubbornness. Because you try to tell people, hey, you need to go read the Psalms. Hey, you need to go look to God and everything like that. And there's a stubbornness that we can get in the midst of a trial because we refuse to do that. Okay? And you might be in here right now going, okay, so the greatest danger is always the flesh. You know, I think everybody here already understands that my flesh is my biggest problem. Okay? Great. So you say, I know my flesh is the biggest problem. Well, but here's what I want you to see. Turn a few pages over to Romans chapter 13. We know that using gas with a fire is perhaps not the wisest thing to do. I speak from experience. All right? But yet, in our humanity sometimes, for the cool factor or forgetfulness, we still do it. Okay? But not wise. I remember at Camp Kobiak, in my situation, I was just desperate to get a fire started because I was program director of camp, and I was waiting on our maintenance guy to get down there. He wasn't lighting things in the time factor that I wanted. People were coming. I see people standing around, and I'm thinking, I'm going to make this happen. So I take the can, and I dump it all over the thing. One thing I failed to do was run a trail about 20 feet out from the fire. So I lit a match. Wanted to stay far, as far back as I could, which was not far enough. Toss it in there. It never even got to the pile. It got the fumes, brother, and my eyebrows. And my life flashed right before my eyes as I fell backwards into the dirt, and many men laughed, as many men in here probably would as well. Okay? So, what did I learn? Diesel fuel, oil, mix it, do something different. It's less dangerous, but still just as fun, okay? The Bible says in Romans 13, 14, you know your flesh is a problem. Okay, you know that. Romans 13, 14 says, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We can sit here and say, I know I shouldn't, but especially men, I know I shouldn't. But then we do something and our wives stand back there going, why? Why? Okay? My wife has done that many a times with me going, why? And I'm still alive to be able to talk about it, okay? When we look at this passage here, putting humor and lightheartedness aside, because even greater than gasoline or even greater than anything else you can think of is your flesh wants you dead. Your flesh is looking to destroy itself. And God has said through the pen of Paul, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision. Don't give your flesh the opportunity to fulfill the lust thereof. Okay? With that in mind, 
You don't need to turn there, but I want to remind you, I've, I've spoken on this before, but in 2 Peter 1, verse 5, remember, that's the passage that says, add to your faith, and it goes to this list of several things you need to add to your faith. That word, add, A-D-D, three letters so important. It's the only time the word, the word add is used at the beginning of that passage, then you go on to add faith, virtue, now all these different things uh, that you want to add to your, add to your life. The word add has to do with to give lavishly to or generously supply. In other words, uh, I, I immediately came to mind when I was studying this, I thought, you know what? Pastor's desire when I first got here is that, Jamie, I want to do everything I can to help you succeed as an assistant pastor. I want to do everything I can to help you prepare to take your own church someday. I want to do everything in my power to help you be successful. So he does different things in an effort to help me to be successful in ministry. And he is very lavish about it. He's generous in that regard, okay? And there's no doubt parents in here. We say, I want things to go well for my kids. I want to do what I can, whatever it takes. Well, Christ is also saying, hey, do whatever it takes. Set up your life. The word add there. Generously move in the direction of doing everything it takes to stay as far away from sin and as close to righteousness as you possibly can. Uh, I'm reminded of what Rand Hummel, I've heard him say so many times, make it hard to sin, make it easy to do right. So look at your life and sit there and say, okay, yeah, I know my flesh is the biggest trouble. Okay, then look at your life. What are you doing to help yourself grow in holiness to get ready for the next trial? What are you doing? What's, what are you watching? What's the music? What, what are you thinking on? All these different things. A trial is coming. And I watch both of my parents die in different ways. One is a soul winner in a hospital for three years, and another one who doubted his salvation up until the end. And yet, ultimately, if they're both here, my dad would probably echo to you all and say, I was not growing in the Lord. And because I wasn't growing in the Lord, the trial came and it overwhelmed me and I didn't know where to turn because I had no scripture to pull from and I'm struggling and the torment within that no pastor can get rid of. We can't get rid of your fear. We can't get rid of the torment within, the doubts and everything all of a sudden comes in. We can't get rid of it. All we can do is take you to the one who can. That's all we can do. And we have to watch you. Family has to watch you. The torment, the struggle going on. It was so hard to watch my dad die over over a year before he died. It was difficult. I remember being on the phone with him on Newbridge Circle, a house we were running in Florida, on the phone with him constantly, trying to guide him and help him with assurance of salvation. But I couldn't give him assurance. I kept guiding my dad with a chemo brain, trying to guide him through the scriptures. Don't wait until drugs and chemo is dominating and it makes it that much harder to get truth in, to battle the torment going within. When right now, when you're in your right mind, now's the time. Fatten yourself up with Scripture to get ready for whatever is around the corner. You say, well, quit talking like that. I don't want... It's reality. It's reality. Don't stick your head in the sand. Truth number one, the greatest danger is always the flesh. Truth number two, the gospel is always the answer. 
as I have done more and more biblical counseling since I've been up north here, which I thoroughly enjoy, when I hear somebody, had somebody in my office today, and they're telling me about somebody else, I said, well, hey, hey. And they said, uh, you know what? I just don't think we can get, it, get, get that individual into the, into the church here. I said, hey, I make house calls. I said, I will come. Well, we don't know when the work is going to win, when they'll be called away to work, or we don't know this. Hey, hey, that's okay. I'll be there until they call, them to, call the person to work. And when they call them to work, I know I'm done. And we got as much in as we could. I love being able to get with people to help them find victory through Christ and to get the gospel there. And you say, well, maybe they already know Christ as their Savior. The gospel's not just for salvation. Let's look at that, okay? The fact is, the truth number two, the gospel is always the answer. God's word comforts the distress, but also distresses the comfortable. Think about that. That's what the gospel does. I want to sow the gospel to help people get uncomfortable, either realizing I'm not where I should be with the Lord. But ultimately, the gospel should bring about comfort. But you've got to first get rid of all the stuff you're carrying on your shoulders first, okay? Okay. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, turn over there and we'll be closing with this here tonight. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Verse number 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Chapter 3, verse 12, verse 13 now. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. It blows my mind when I hear people, and I was one who went away from church one time in my life. It blows my mind when I hear people uh, say to me, well, I can meet with God right where I'm at. I'm like, church is not just about meeting with God. That's number one. Number two, God says, I want you to come in and be among my people to exhort one another today. That's that's what it's for. I need men in my life, and many of you have done this before. Come up, hey, come come here. Can I talk to you? Sometimes it's talking to me about my own kids and just saying, hey, here's what I'm seeing. Um, And I just, I want you men, because I know you want to know. Thank you. Thank you. What am I? I'm being exhorted to be a better father. Being exhorted to be a better husband. I need that. And how people can say, no, that's what God, God says, hey, I want this for you. And so when we look at this, we go, okay, what is man's condition? And the reason we come in to the gospel, the gospel reveals man's condition. I love to get the gospel out first thing, even if they know Christ. I've added somebody recently who came in my office, and I was like, well, I'm going to talk to you about the gospel. I've already, I've already done that. I, I understand. I said, I said, I know you shared your testimony. I appreciate you sharing your testimony with me, but I want to I I dig a little deeper. I want to I truly see the gospel for how it helps us right now. Okay, okay, but I, I've already done that. I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Hang tight. Let me, let, me, let me take you on a trip here, on a journey, and help you to see how the gospel applies to today. My condition. What's my condition according to the gospel? Okay, my condition. I am, I, I, I'm dealing with Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm so thankful that I'm forgiven, but the flesh hasn't gone anywhere. Now I've got the flesh lusting against the spirit, but the flesh is still there causing trouble, creating all kinds of havoc for me. I am still not glorified yet in heaven, and I continue with struggle. And for, we know for the wages of sin is death. We know that we got, there's the penalty of sin. We know there's the presence of sin. I am going to physically die because I live in a fallen world, but I'm thankful that because I've trusted Christ, I get to go to heaven. It reveals the gospel sheds light on man's condition. Why, why was it needed? Because 
we're dumb sheep. I mean, that's why, that's, that's why we do the same things over and over again that we know hurt us, and we're like, that's insanity. Yes, that's what dumb sheep do, okay? We need the Lord to give us wisdom so we can quit being dumb, but until we're glorified, that's going to be something we're going to be struggling with. It also, the gospel shows God's provision. What did he do? He provided his son, and even to this day, his son is still the one that frees us from our daily struggle. Philippians 4.13. Not just simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, but hey, I can also do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ, the center of the gospel, still the answer for tomorrow's trial that you're going to face tomorrow. It also reveals man's responsibilities. As I've already mentioned, eternal life, you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is your responsibility. You must believe on the Lord Jesus, repent from your sin, and in faith turn to God. That is a must. In daily life, what have you got to do? Well, we've already talked about a little bit what you've got to do with the word add. You have got to generously supply, put the effort. Whatever that means, Gen- generously supply means having the right kind of music, having time for my God and I time. Generously supply all the th- fixings right in front of you that make it possible for you to live, give you the best chance to live a godly, holy life. So daily life, what's the gospel do? It make it hard to sin and easy to do right, as I've already mentioned. Next in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, the gospel you confessed it when you trusted Christ as your Savior, and now, as him as your Savior, you get to go to him. It's important to have short sin accounts. If a man regard iniquity in his heart, the Lord's not going to hear you. And so oftentimes, oh, I'm praying, I'm praying. People come, oh, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. Okay, well, but how, let's look, let's look at some other things here. But I'm praying, God's just not, God's just not, I don't know where he's at. God is eager for you, perhaps, their sin. I'm not saying for certain. Sometimes God just says, wait. But oftentimes, we are in the way, and God says, hey, confess your sin. And he is faithful and just forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In your daily life, the gospel helps. What does the gospel do? Helps you see your condition. Helps you realize, okay, I've got to make it hard to sin and easy to do right. I've got to keep short sin accounts. I've got to grow in grace. You can't just say, well, I, I'm, I know the nerve trials are going to come around the corner. I just keep praying that God will give me grace when the time comes. Pastors preach on that just even recently. And people are going, well, God will give me the grace to get through this. The grace is found in here. The grace is found in his word. And it, and it says that in 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge. You've got to get in and study him. You know, I was thinking about IPDE when I was in driver's training. I don't remember anything else except the accelerator and the brake. I know you're thankful to hear that. But IPD was something that stuck out to me. I don't know why it did, it just did. It stuck out to me. Uh, and uh, I don't know if they still teach IPDE in driver's training or not. But uh, anybody remember IPDE? Fantastic. Identify, predict, decide, execute. When you're driving down the road... When you're driving down the road, you've got to look ahead, constantly be identifying what's up ahead, predict what you might think happened, decide what you're going to do, execute it. IPDE. I don't know how many times that was shared to me over and over again. You've got to be thinking. Well, I was about ready to say, listen, young people. I'm so used to preaching teens. Um, but just take it. Uh, 
You know, you, you got to do that. The fact is, walking the Christian life, going, navigating through a trial, there is no cruise feature. There's no cruise feature in the Christian life. The truth is, when we're driving down the road and we got the cruise on, let's be honest, our feet begin to rest back a little bit. Very few people keep their foot over the accelerator or the brake and just let it hover there. Typically, we're letting it set down on the mat because, after all, we're in cruise now. So there's a little bit of a delay with the response with cruise. Because if you had your foot up on the brake, there's going to be no It's a boom. But there's a little bit of delay. There is no cruise feature in the Christian life. You got to constantly be ready to make a move. And I know that seems tiring. It is tiring. It's exhausting, but it can only be done through Christ. Navigating through trials. I've given you some things tonight. I'm going I'm to I'm go through them here again. Navigating through trials. Remember, God owes no man any answer until he owns that man's heart. Number two, man can't handle all the answers. Number three, man can rest comfortably knowing the one with the answers. And if you're his child, you're on his side. And that is a huge comfort. Two truths that will help get through trials when you study them out in the word is the reminder, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The greatest danger is always the flesh. Okay, what am I doing today? What am I doing today to make it easy to do right, make it hard to sin? What am I doing to help feed the spirit of God within me? Truth number two, the gospel is always the answer. You can look to him, be reminded of your condition, be reminded of his provision, and be reminded of how with his power every day you can face it. The fact is we're always navigating through trials or getting ready for the next. Please think about that. Please, all of us need to stop and think and consider all these things. And once again, I remind you, I encourage you to journal just as David did. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around here tonight. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.